and welcome to Let's Talk Diz, a show that gives everything you need to know to help make your Disney vacation as magical as can be in just about 20 minutes. I'm your host, Jeff Coviello. With me each week is Disney Master Sandy from Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services. Sandy, how are you tonight? I am feeling like a star. We are going to go through Hollywood and the movies today. You know, you and I had talked about this particular show, and, you know, we think in order to do it proper justice, uh, we kind of have to talk about what it was and, and a little bit before we talk about what it is. So take it away. So today we're right before May the 4th, which we know is a big Star Wars day. We're going to go a little bit through memory lane. For those of you diehard Disney people, it will always be MGM Studios. I don't care what the friendship boat driver tells you. Still MGM Studios to me, even though Disney now insists as of January 2008, it's been a long time that it has been Hollywood Studios. I do call it MGM, like in, in the small circles of our home. It's always MGM. And now that my two children are old enough to know what the heck's going on, when you say MGM, they kind of look at you a little funny. So, uh, you know, you do have to change your verbiage a little bit. So give us, you know, opening date, number of attractions. Just, I guess, take it from the top. MGM Studios, and for those of you who don't even know, Metro Gold in my year, the original movie company is who it was named in partnership with. May 1st, 1988, we began that journey. And the idea behind it was that when this opened, it actually was a working studio. There were things filmed there. There were animators there. And I will say, for those of you listening, as I kind of thought about this show, there was a real element of sadness for me. I love this park. I'm not going to say that it isn't a great spot to be today. But when I thought back about talking about the live studio and the Animation Academy and the Backlot Tour and all these things, I kept thinking, oh, but this is gone and this is gone. So we're going to give you a bonus show in a couple of weeks. This park really has had the biggest change of any of the Disney theme parks in my mind. We're going to do a nostalgic look back. We may even bring on some extra guests like friends that have been great movie ride cast members and lots of iconic things that are gone. But overall, this is still dedicated to the movies, just in a different way now. Now it's about immersing yourself in the movies that you know and love instead of that kind of backstage glance at the movies. And we had talked at, in, at length on multiple shows about the acquisitions of intellectual property and the new creations. And one of the things that is always difficult for a, a company like Disney when you have so many tremendous pieces of intellectual property is fitting them into the theme parks. And I think as a fan, that's why I'm seeing so many changes come to this park. Right. We went from it being a, a working set and seeing backstage to then acquiring things like Pixar and Lucasfilm. And so you need a place for these things because they're such tremendous intellectual pieces of property that fans are so tied to. And so this park made the most sense. And as a result, we had to say goodbye to some of the things that you mentioned were going to met, feature in that in that throwback show. Talk to us about the changes, and, and it's a different stroll than what we've had in, in places like the Magic Kingdom. And it is interesting because I've always been in awe of the Imagineers and how they transport you. And 
when you look at something like the Magic Kingdom and you talk about Tomorrowland and, you know, we've talked about how there's little changes in the concrete and the music that kind of invites you from one to the other, but you kind of don't really feel the flow. You just ultimately are immersed in it. And here, I think it's just so unique. I was kind of putting on, you know, some memories and thinking about being in Galaxy's Edge and being in Toy Story Land. And they are a spot onto themselves. And I can be in Toy Story Land and kind of forget where I am because the land stands on its own so well. And Galaxy's Edge is just out of this world, no pun intended. <laughs> um, but, you know, think about it next time you go. It's interesting, especially Galaxy's Edge. There's kind of that long entry and that long exit. It's interesting that you can actually exit from Galaxy's Edge into Toy Story. And real contrast in themes there, but they make that transition just flawlessly. Um, and I think, I think when you mentioned that, like think about Star Wars as an entity, right? When you enter into the films, the most iconic thing about, about each Star Wars film is the opening crawl, right? It's, it's massive and it's long and it takes some time for you to get into the world that you're in. And then once you've gotten in there, you're fully immersed. That's how that entrance is. It takes, it takes its time. It's transforming the world around you. And as you get into Batu, there's no mistaking the fact that you are not in a place that you just were. Right. So it's, it's very, very well done. And then to your point, leaving it, it's the same thing. It takes some time to almost digest the fact that you were just in this incredible land. And now you're shifting gears to go from a galaxy far, far away to Andy's backyard, which is equally impressive, but completely different mindset than where you're just leaving. It again, I just the creativity that makes Disney what it is, is something that I continually have such respect for. And I kudos to these people that have a million times more creativity than I do because they execute this stuff flawlessly. One of the things that was always iconic about this park um, from a visual standpoint was the sorcerer's hat, right? When some people think of Hollywood Studios, I almost said MGM, but when they think of Hollywood Studios, they think of this sorcerer's hat. You're not going to find that there. You're not. And not only was it iconic visually when you entered the park, but if you've got old memorabilia hanging around when they had their four parks, one world slogan and all kinds of things, it was the symbol that was printed everywhere. If it, you know, if they wanted you to know you were going to Hollywood Studios or had been in Hollywood Studios, that's what you got. You know, Magic Kingdom has its castle. Epcot has the golf ball. You got that sorcerer hat. So it took away kind of its own logo, not just the visual part, but the written part. It was a sad day to see it come down. Let's go away from stuff that was that was to stuff that, that still is or stuff that, you know, now is. When you enter this park, where are you going first? So like all the parks, you kind of come into this stretch of roadway to get you deeper into the park. And here you're going down Hollywood Boulevard. And what makes Hollywood Boulevard unique to this park 
is that it starts with what they want you to know. It's about the entertainment. And so the citizens of Hollywood, they do some great opening stuff in the morning, little skits. And if you joined us on Cast Chronicles a couple of weeks ago, you got to hear from Eddie Wilder, who was a citizen of Hollywood, and the great streetmosphere, that Disney word for roving entertainment, is really the way to get started. Like all the parks, I know those of you hopping right on that Starbucks line in and to the right. <laughs> but the big thing is pick your big attraction that you want to do without the longer wait. So you're either headed off to the right into Toy Story Land for Slinky Dog Dash, or like we just said, the other big land, headed over to Millennium Falcon. Now, the other fact that I'm going to point out about this park is it has something that no other park has. It actually has a where do you go first that happens before you even enter the park. Tell it us. is the only park that is using a virtual queue. So 7 a.m., regardless of where you are, if you've got your park reservation for Hollywood Studios, you can try and join the virtual queue for Rise of the Resistance. Yeah, very cool. And I will tell you, it is the hot ticket item. You want to have your fingers ready to go, your app open, your Wi-Fi off, because it opens at 7 o'clock. And typically by about 7.02, the slots are gone. <laughs> if you didn't get lucky enough to get one, the virtual queue will open one more time at 1 p.m. But it is the only ride in all of the parks that A, has the virtual queue, and B, does not offer a standby line. So if you're not doing the virtual queue, you're not doing that attraction. One of the things that we had talked about when we started the show was that it, the park used to be one thing with a lot of different elements to it that have then since been retired and moved on to something else. One of the things that has remained that is so near and dear to my heart that I'm so thrilled that I get to take my kids to when we go is uh, the Muppets right smack in the middle of that park. Definitely a classic attraction and a lot of stuff around it. Not only do they have the attraction, they've got the special fountain, they've got a gift shop not attached to the attraction. Can you believe it? You don't exit in the gift shop. <laughs> you actually have to seek it out. But yes, in ode to Jim Henson, and I'll also give a little plug here for those of you that are big Muppets fans. You should join Jeff and I, or we're happy to help you with a date on your own. But if you do the Adventure by Disney, Disneyland Backstage Magic Tour, you will get to go out in California to the Jim Henson studio and really get your full fix of Muppets and that behind the scenes peak. Just just so folks are aware too, that, that trip occurs February 20th to the 25th in 2022, uh, President's Day weekend. So reach out to the folks at Easy Diz to make that happen for you. We've got the classics there as far as the Muppets, which is a must do for me. But let's say that, you know, you're somebody that's a thrill ride person. To me, this park is out of any of the parks that, that are in Orlando. This is the park for that. So let's talk about some of the thrill rides. And I was just going to say, we have more thrill rides in this park than any other. You've got Slinky Dog Dash and Rise of the Resistance Millennium Falcon, those three that we talked about already. But you've also got Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster, and Star Tours. Six thrill ride attractions, as you said, more than any other Disney theme park. And to be totally fair, 
you know, as we discussed this park transitioning from one thing to the next, that seems to be a point of emphasis, right? You do have the park, which shall not be named down the road, that has more uh, of a thrill ride component to it than Disney does. And so it's clear that this particular park, there has been an emphasis on adding some of those things while still maintaining the Disney brand and the things that we all uh, have come to know and love. So if you're if you're a thrill ride person, definitely if you're a Star Wars and a thrill ride person, this is absolutely a must do for you to get there and make it happen. It's Orlando. We've said this before in some of our other shows. It's going to rain at some point in the day because that's just what it does. What do we do when it rains? Where do we go to get out of the rain? Because this is about the movies, there's a lot of shows here and the shows either are truly indoors or in covered pavilions. So the Frozen Singalong, Disney Junior, Adventures of the Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and even Toy Story Midway Mania, all great indoor attractions that'll keep you busy for 25 minutes to an hour. I know that if you have little kids and you go see the Disney Junior show, it's it's something that uh, they can get a little energy out. It's, it's a good time. Uh, what about when you just need a break? If you haven't had a chance to see the new Lightning McQueen Racing Academy, I highly recommend heading there for a break. Not the kind of activity, like you said, that Disney Junior has them all bouncing up and down. It's also Disney Junior, just to back up a second, a little bit unique. It's the only show that doesn't offer true seating. So be prepared to sit on the floor. (laughs) Lightning McQueen Racing Academy. It's going to get them involved in watching a show. It's all around you, but there is seating. It is usually pretty empty because it is a larger theater. So easy to get in, see the show and enjoy. Now, for those folks that have enjoyed the the Disney parks out in California, significant uh, footprint of the cars, intellectual property out there. Give us a breakdown if somebody's expecting to walk into what they would walk into in Radiator Springs out in California. They're not seeing that here at Disney's Hollywood Studios. They are not. We actually here don't have any ride attractions. So the Lightning McQueen Racing Academy, again, a film type of interactive movie, and then they have a dance party, but you're not going to get the attractions like the three that you have out in California. So I will say this, as somebody that is a longtime lover of film, I loved the nature of the MGM studios and then transitioning to Hollywood studios because of the things that we had mentioned at the beginning as far as things that they've transitioned away from. I cannot possibly say enough about how awesome these new additions are to this park They have done such a tremendous job. And if you are somebody that is listening to this show that saves up every so many years to take your family to this this awesome place that we call Walt Disney World, I promise you that while you'll be upset that you're missing some of your favorite things here, you're going to be blown away by the attention to detail in Toy Story Land, in Galaxy's Edge. It's just really, really well done. Um, And so I I recommend it to you, especially if you are a film person, if you love some of these things like Toy Story and and Star Wars. Sometimes you think that they can't possibly hit. I promise you, they hit on both of these things. Both of these lands are immersive, they're beautiful, and they're just a lot of fun to walk through. Um, And I probably shouldn't admit this, but I'm not a big Star Wars girl. I've seen the original 
I have not seen the others, though I have had the thrill of going to Lucas Films. And I wasn't super excited about Galaxy's Edge coming. I can't name all the characters and all the lands. But I have to say, like you just said, what they did is incredible. And I forget that I'm not the Star Wars girl. Like you just literally jump right into that land and love it and get enveloped in that world, even if it's not one that you knew all the parts of going into it. And coming soon to a show near you and to the theme park near you will be the immersive resort that they're doing. But that's another show. <laughs> what what haven't we covered about this show, Sandy? Because obviously, you know, there's there's a tremendous amount that's that's here. What have we missed? One of the things that I always talk to people about when they're park planning is that when I look back on my day in Hollywood studios, I don't feel like I necessarily did a lot. When I'm in Magic Kingdom and the attractions are two to three minutes, you're getting on a lot of attractions in the day. When you're in Hollywood Studios, you've got a lot of these shows that are longer, things like the Frozen Sing-Along, the Beauty and the Beast, the Disney Junior. Those are 20 to 30 minute experiences. So you're not going to get as much in if you're counting the number of things you did, but you're definitely going to have a full day. If you are that big Star Wars fan, they have an awesome Star Wars backstage tour that is all about the intricacies of Star Wars and the extras within the park that you definitely want to do. And it wouldn't be our show if we didn't talk about food. Lots of quick service options on the mobile ordering for you. One of my absolute favorite, favorite things to do in Disney is here in Hollywood Studios. And we've talked about it on a couple of shows. But I love the Dining with the Imagineer program at Hollywood's Brown Derby. And that's going to be lunchtime, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday only. An opportunity, you and up to 10 guests to talk to an Imagineer and learn all about what their job as an Imagineer is. Anything from scenery, ride design, concept, Imagineering covers just so many things. And that's the ultimate Disney fan thing to do. One of the other favorites, we have a lot of people who obviously love Hollywood and Vine. It's a character meal. It's unique in that it's different characters for breakfast than lunch and dinner. Breakfast is where you'll find your Disney Junior characters. Lunch and dinner are Mickey and friends. And again, unique. Most of our restaurants, like Chef Mickey and Tusker House. Mickey and Minnie have a theme for their outfit that matches the restaurant, and that is what you'll find them in all year long. At Hollywood and Vine, it's Hollywood and Vine seasonal dine. So they have spring attire, they have fall attire, they have holiday attire. So you could go there four times a year for dinner, and it will be a very different experience. Really quickly, just to touch on your your quick service food comment, I have been singing the praises of both Batu, Galaxy's Edge, and Toy Story Land. The food options inside those lands are unlike anything that you'll see really anywhere else on property, except for maybe in World Showcase. They are so specific to those lands that you are literally eating something that is obviously food that is stuff that we're all familiar with, but it's themed differently based on where you are. So just take a look at those menus, talk to a travel specialist, figure out if you do have um, 
an adventurous party as to what they want to do. You can plan these things out. Even something as simple as a quick service meal, you can plan out with your travel specialist months in advance to know exactly what you're going to get. And I would suggest if you haven't been with us from the beginning, go all the way back to episode two where we did just a look at Galaxy's Edge and we really talked about the unique food items, those that require reservations, why you want to make sure that you get a visit into Uga's Canteen. Lots of great things in there. All right. Uh, anything else before we wrap up the show today? I would just say that one thing that Disney is known for in general, but they really take great care in Hollywood studios, is their level of authenticity. Whether you're looking at the Chinese theater or you're looking at the bus outside the theater or the Brown Derby, they have really modeled them authentically after their California partner. You know, that Chinese theater is going to look like what you see out in Hollywood because it's not about creating fantasy. It's about giving you that realistic set of where they're transporting you to. And they nailed it with every part of this park. So take the time to really check out those little details and see all the similarities, especially if you've had the opportunity to go to Hollywood and see some of these places and take in everything that this show is about. Sandy, thank you for taking the time today to stroll through Disney's Hollywood studios with us. It's been my pleasure. And that's a wrap this week on Let's Talk Diz. If anyone you know could benefit from this or any show, please share, have them like, and subscribe. And don't forget to reach out to the folks at Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services for any Disney destination planning. Make it a great week, and as always, keep making memories.